When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yo, welcome back to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbirds. I'm your host, Sean Christ. My partner in crime right next to me, like always. Riding shotgun as always. Joel Thomas, we're ready to go. This is going to be a crazy episode. I've been excited about this for the past couple weeks, um, especially when I learned the topic and and Eddie's fire. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah, and then as our guest today, we got author, uh, documentarist, and the guy that lays the pipe down, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Esoteric Eddie, what's up, man? What's up, what's up? Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Namaste. Yeah, you know, we had to bring you back, man, because uh, you always got that wealth of knowledge that uh, everybody's looking for. I mean, I've been seeing you hit the circuits lately, man. You've seen me a little bit everywhere. I like to see that, man. And you've been really hammering it home with all the documentaries. But for everybody that may not know who you are again, can you just kind of refresh everybody some of the material you have and what you've worked on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm Esoteric Eddie. Uh, I, uh, I'm an author. Just dropped a book last December 2021 titled The Lucifer Mystery Revealed. Basically just takes you through an academic journey. And uh, I'm also a YouTuber or a documenter. Uh, I've got over 30 videos on my uh, channel, Esoteric Eddie TV. But I've been studying the occult, the esoteric, the conspiratorial for, for about 15 years now. It's, uh, it's My life has revolved around it um, ever since I was a kid, really. And uh, it's kind of who I am, just Esoteric Eddie, just author and documenter, among many other things. Uh, as uh, Sean alluded to, also a plumber and uh, all kinds of other things. <laughs> Jack of all yeah, trades, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? That's what, hey, that's always good, man. You can hire he can fix your uh fix your toilet and break you down what's going on with these elites, you know, all at the same time. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> But yeah, you know, your book, uh, I didn't read the book because uh, I'm more of those listener people. That's why I, <laughs> I listen to the documentary. Like, that's why I'm glad you do both, because so, like, especially like me at work, that's where I get digest most of my information. And I thought it was really interesting, the whole aspect of like, you know, when we talked last time, we were talking about like, you know, the Illuminati and and how what people think of the Illuminati. And, you know, everybody, you know, thinks, oh, Jay-Z, that's the Illuminati or this guy's the Illuminati. When you go and back and trace through history, what was what? And that's kind of what this struck with me with the the Lucifer mystery of where it's almost as if it's one of those like rumors where someone goes, you know, and it goes to like the 20th thousandth person and now it's this fact that is not necessarily a fact so what got you to dig down this rabbit hole man um well uh i grew up in a religious family both catholic and christian so that played a huge part of my in my life you know the, the bible religion and i grew up heavily believing you know that demons and the devil was real in in the way that the, the church portrays it and uh, uh so but as i continued to learn all this esoteric knowledge and the occult knowledge then i kind of those two um you know those two paths kind of split you know and i kind of left the religious aspect of things still still connected to god but i left the whole religious aspect and started going down the esoteric side of things the more you know historical and factual based type stuff and um 
all throughout high school, that's when like a lot of this knowledge came to me and I was reading a lot and watching a lot of videos, but I, I've gone through a lot, you know, um, as an artist, as a, as a researcher, I've tried different things before in the past, as far as like trying to get myself out there and trying to get this information out there. I've done it through music. I've done it through graphic design. I've just, just, just books and all other YouTube channels that I had before that were failures. Um, so having gone, gone through all of that in my artist life, but also in my own personal life, having gone through a lot of crazy stuff too, right around the age of, uh, 25, which was a few years ago for me, I decided to just sit down and then try to revamp everything that I had been through and everything that I had, had known at that point and try to come up with another product or come up with another idea, you know, that I can give to the people that would, would kind of break through and, and really be useful. So I sat down and I figured to go with, I'd go with this subject for one, because religion played a huge part in my life. And I, throughout my life, I've noticed, you know, the government, the elites, they have so many different ways of keeping us down. And religion is definitely one. I saw that firsthand in my life. And so the book was one way to just um, write something that was useful, provocative, informative for the truth or community to have at, at their disposal, at their arsenal. But it was also the bigger goal was to also help uh, break the indoctrination that religion has done to us. So I chose that topic. To, to be provocative, but also to be useful. Yeah, as yeah. a tool that, that can really pry people, because you are right, like, uh, uh, I think, I mean, I can't speak exactly for Joel, but I think he feels a lot the same way as me, is that we're not really into religion, per se, like, we as well believe in God, but like, you know, uh, you can be based in religion, but as far as the organizations, you know, a lot of organizations are very corrupt, and uh, power, you know, man with power, and, and I think that a lot of things do get confused, and I, I've said it a lot of times, and uh, the Book of Eli is just a great example for me, like, I, seeing that movie, and how powerful the book you know uh, the bible is and how people were trying to use it in way of control and i always see it as like how it happened in the past right like at some point someone was like hey this word means this or this means that and and, and it's some form of control yeah, definitely yeah. yeah so um yeah sean and i talk all the time about you know god and religion and everything um i, I went through an interesting journey myself like you know i started out in a, a real christian home uh my father is still a preacher so like you know i went through all that growing up um i turned my back on all that i went down a really crazy road ended up becoming a freemason and a lot of crazy things so you know i really delved into a lot of paths which honest which is crazy enough brought me back to christianity but in a different way though in a whole different aspect of the the way that I read the Bible and the way that I perceive God, because at the end of the day, like, whereas like, and I do believe that the Bible is infallible, but that's, that's my opinion. I, I, I take on anybody else's opinions and thoughts on that because I have a lot of things that back it up and I do a lot of research too. And, and I understand that, you know, when you're looking at different cultures and where things came from and some things came before other things, at some point it comes down to a belief system, right? You just believe like there's certain things that you believe that Sean believes and we just have different belief systems, but it's what works for us. Right? So like for me, just going down a dark path that I went down and the things that I did see that value validated some of these demonic entities and some of these things that I knew existed. Um, it did bring me back to uh, Christianity full circle, but in a different way. Again, I think the church is absolutely corrupt. I think that the um, I think religion as a whole is designed to control us. I think all of that stuff holds true. I think I can totally be, you know, a Christian and believe that because I can tell you right now, like you, you can, you know, outside of, you know, there, there's some, obviously some churches, I believe that, 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 that work well. And there's people that really care about people, but man, as a whole, the church has been corrupted. And I felt like it was infiltrated a long time ago to corrupt the, the good teachings of Jesus. And I, and I think that that's how I felt about it. And just the past that I've been down, but it's very interesting hearing that you came from a religious background as well, like Catholic and Christian. So you probably know, just like I do what that's like coming up in a home like that. And it's, you know, I came at very strict home. My dad was a pastor. So there's a lot of things that, you know, I wasn't a allowed to see for myself so when i got out there on my own i went fucking haywire, <laughs> you know what i mean i wanted yeah. to see it all so uh, that's that's kind of that was my path. Yeah, yeah man yeah no yeah it's like i mean sure the church is corrupt but really it's just humanity's corrupt you know people are corrupt and anytime anytime a person's in charge of something, mm -hmm. something it's gonna get corrupted 
you know, whether it's church, school, government, it's like, and that's the whole point of the crisis redemption. It's like, man, we're all fucked up. You know, we all need redemption. Mm hmm. Absolutely. But I do agree with the, uh, to me, what I got from it is, uh, what I've said a, a few times on here too, is that like, I think people give too much empowerment to Lucifer, the devil or whatever mm-hmm. entity you want to call it. And I think that is the problem. And I think that was intentional. I think that it's put there to have people be like, Oh yeah, there's nothing you could do. Lucifer's going to get you or <laughs> the devil's going to trick you. And you're like, dude, like, no, that's not going to happen. Like if you actually just treat people good, like, and I think it's just been like, it's almost like, you know, like, uh, uh I remember back in the days, yeah. like the homies mom, and them to be like, oh, Kukui's gonna get you. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't do this, you don't do that. You're like, oh man, it's almost like a way to keep people in line. You've seen it just with with parents, but I I think so many people have given life to what Lucifer is and. and kind of created it's almost like manifesting this evilness that may not have it's that always existed but you put a name on it and you branded it and now you've plastered it everywhere going into that if you don't mind eddie could you break down the term lucifer where it came from where the derivative was i thought it was really interesting how you broke that down in the documentary if you could do that now because Sean kind of segued into it that'd be incredible The entire Western world, right? Like the English speaking world, the Western world, we were introduced to Lucifer um, through the King James Bible primarily. And um, in the King James Bible, uh, the authorized version, you find Lucifer used once and it's used in Isaiah 14, 12, and it's used as an uppercase uh, pronoun, a name. But uh, the English version was translated from the Latin, which was translated from the Greek, which was translated from the Hebrew. Now, in the Latin version, where we would see Lucifer, you would also find Lucifer because Lucifer is a Latin word. That's where we got it from. And it comprises of uh, two root words, lucis or lux, light and fere, which means to bring or to hold. That's where the occult got the idea of Lucifer being being the light bearer. Um, but in the Latin Vulgate, the Latin version, Lucifer is used multiple times throughout the Bible, and it's used as an adjective, a lowercase word. Now, from in the Greek version, where we would see Lucifer today, we would see phosphorus, which is uh, the Greek equivalent of the Latin Lucifer. Again, it's used as an adjective, and phosphorus means light, fire, bright. And there's a reason why those two terms are used in the Latin and in the Greek, because where we would see Lucifer today in the Hebrew, the original, we would see Hallel ben Shahar. Now, Hallel is a name, and it uh, means bright. And so Hallel ben Shahar means Hallel, son of Shahar. And Shahar means dawn, like Sahar. So Shahar means dawn. And so that's where we got Lucifer, son of the morning. But there's a reason why Isaiah is using this verbiage. Now, Isaiah himself was a scribe and a prophet, a royal one, if that, right? And he worked alongside with the kings. And when Isaiah was writing this stuff right around uh, the onset of the 600 or the 6th century BC, the Babylonians, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, come down off a of fever. But uh, the Babylonians were descending upon the kingdom of Judah at that time. And, and so there was chaos around uh, Jerusalem. And this was right before they were going to be taken captive to Babylon. So Isaiah was writing this as a prophecy. You know, he, he was writing. Sorry, excuse me. He was uh, he was writing a prophecy about the downfall of the Babylonians who were, who were t- taking them captive. So if you go back and read Isaiah 14, it's, it's, a, it's a, a prophecy, a poetic prophecy. And the reason he used the word Hallel Ben-Shahar is because he was referencing an old Ugaritic tale. And, and Ugarit um, belonged to the old Canaanite kingdom. And um, we know about this tale because we uncovered it in the 30s in what are now known as uh, the Baal cycle text. And so Isaiah, again, being being an ancient scribe, a prophet, was was aware of the old world myths and legends much more than we were. Those were his ancestors. You know, uh, the Bible makes it clear that the the Canaanites were, were the cousins, if not the direct ancestors of the Jews. So he was aware of his ancestral myths and not, and, and legends. So there was a famous tale in the Baal cycle tale, uh, Baal cycle text, 
that talks about Baal stepping down from the throne. And as he stepped down from the throne, the gods conversed among themselves. Well, who's going to rule in his stead? And that's when this younger God by the name of Athtar stepped up to the throne and said, oh, I'll do it. But in the tale, um, he finds that he's literally too short, too small to rule on the throne. So he's like, never mind, I'm not going to do it. And it's, a, it's like an allegorical tale, basically saying that nobody can be like Baal. But Athtar in that tale is son of Shahar. And Athtar is a, is a male rendition of the Astarte or Ishtar or Inanna, um, and all of those were goddesses of the old world too. She was just reimagined, reimagined for a short period of time as Athtar, the, 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 uh, the male version. But um, what get, makes this all more deeper, and there, another reason why uh, Isaiah was referencing this, is that the word Hillel, the name Hillel, uh, the word Phosphorus, and the word Lucifer in the Latin can all be used to represent Venus. And, and those goddesses, those goddesses were always represented by Venus as well. And uh, so Venus, as we know, in the sky is the brightest celestial object preceding the sun. And you can see it with your naked eye. So Venus's co cosmological or celestial mythology has always been that it is, it is the brightest object in the sky preceding the sun in the morning, the morning star. So what Isaiah was saying to these Babylonian kings was, you think that you are something of importance. You think that you are like Hillel Ben-Shahar, that you can step up to the throne. You think you are like Venus, the brightest celestial object, but you will soon be overshadowed by Yahweh or God um, via the sun, right? Or, or the glory of God. <clears throat> yeah, see, that's what I think... And I've said it for years in, in obviously not in those terms and not breaking things down, but I've always thought like, obviously when you're translating things, they get messy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, just seeing my friends that like, I used to tell my mom, my buddy, uh, I'll be like, man, cause you speak Spanish and English. I'll be like, dude, sometimes do you say something in English and then think it in Spanish? He's like, yeah, I fucking do, man. So, I, <laughs> so I can only imagine, you know, like in words and even sometimes when they translate a word or a phrase that everybody says, you're like, if you change translate to English, you're like, it makes no sense. So I can see that same commonality, especially when you're talking about four or five different languages, ancient languages. And I think that's happened a lot. And as well as, you know, using it for power. And that's why I think Lucifer, like that's something that has been trapped in the human psyche for a long time. And it's, it's been used for us not to explore certain things, you know, like, Hey, that's black magic or Hey, like, don't look at this or, or that because you're going to get trapped by Lucifer. So I think it's not let us explore as much. So I thought it was interesting too, uh, when you broke down St. Lucifer and how that he was really going against the church at the time. And they actually put him on an island, if I'm correct, or he was exiled to an island, but he was allowed to come back. And even then he butted heads with them. But how that they integrated, you know, they never said they did, but how they used kind of his name to take that place in the Bible. Um, as you said, that that pronoun, that 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 uppercase uh, L, I thought that was pretty fascinating because i hadn't heard that before and um if you could explain that a little yeah, bit more man. too would be really yeah, so good. uh so right around in the fourth century the council of the council of nicaea was going down right and i'm, I'm sure most of us are, are somewhat familiar with that but uh, for those who aren't the council of nicaea is where the church for the first time congregated under um, Emperor Constantine's authority to decide, you know, what they were going to universally believe, you know, on certain subjects. So as the Council of Nicaea was going down, there were different doctrines happening, you know, different schisms that were that were going on, different debates. And the the huge one was Arianism versus uh, Athanasius. Uh, so it was Ari Arius versus Athanasius. And uh, the Arian doctrine was that God and Jesus are two different people, two different creations that, that God later created Jesus. And the Athanasius point of view was that Jesus and God are the same person and that Jesus is just an emanation of God. And uh, the person who, who uh, wrote the Latin Vulgate, the Latin version where we got Lucifer for the first time is St. Jerome. 
and he's famous. If you if you go to school to be a theologian or whatever, or even learn anything remotely about the Bible and its early onset, you're going to come across Saint Jerome. He's he's very important in early church history, and so Saint Jerome was witnessing all of this, and he wrote books about about it, and and he translated the Latin Vulgate. And um, so during all of this, there was another theologian, another bishop by the name of Saint Lucifer of Cagliari, uh, Italy. And, and St. Lucifer was on the side of Athanasius. He was on the side that, that um, God and Jesus were the same, same being. They were one. And so he was going against the Arian doctrine, which said that, that God and, and Jesus are two different people. And the reason why this was crazy and why this was a, was a debate is because it could justify a lot of different things. So the Arian doctrine could justify um, a king like Constantine saying, well, if Christ was merely created and appointed, then so could somebody else be. So, so St. Lucifer was mm. actually a good guy if you wow. vouch for Jesus and the church. So, and so he was vouching. Right. Which is wild when you break that down. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that part of it. That's, that's nuts to me. Well, it's just a spin, you know, like it, it kind of throws you through a loop because you're it's like almost like dirtying that person's name so that you can never go look into it. You're never going to go. Oh, and you're just right away. Like, oh, that Lucifer, man, that's bad. So I want to say this real quick. And me from the background of, of being a Christian and I believe that, you know, Lucifer and I'm going to use just the word Lucifer or Satan because I think he goes by a myriad of different names. But I think if you believe like I believe that Lucifer is the type to twist things that are good, I think that that was Here's this guy who's vouching for Jesus. You know what? I'm going to take his name and that's going to be my name. And I think that's so that that's what resonated to me was like, this is so crazy. Like when it really like when you actually break it down that this was a good dude. He was like really trying to like stand up against the system. He's like kind of like what us three here try to do is enlighten people, stand up against the system, put the <laughs> truth out there. Yeah. And here he gets yeah. just royally yeah, he fucked. Got exiled like, and banned. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, <laughs> later on, when he got uh, accepted back into the kingdom after the Constantinian dynasty was over with, he was a part of another another debate where he was debating whether any uh, bishop or clergyman could be accepted back into the church who had uh, converted to Arianism. And they used his own trick against him, his own his own uh, philosophy against him. They said, well, if Christ is God, he's the only one who can forgive. So you can't forgive us. So therefore, we're. we're we can come back to the church and uh saint jerome the guy who wrote the mm. vulgate wrote about that too in in a in a work known as the uh, <laughs> i believe the dialogue against the luciferians which is wild and because lucifer as a name just means bright shiny so it, it used to be an endearing name you know back in those days mm. That's super and then it's wild. Been just like kind of totally flipped. I mean, like <laughs> now if you hear Lucifer, like you're like, oh man, like it, you can't even really say that like name without like somebody like getting cringy or like, hey man, you know, like watch what you're saying, you know. And I think to me, that's what I thought. Like it's really funny because I was watching your documentary <laughs> again at the same time as I was watching Westworld, and, and um, it, it really kind of correlated together for me because it's like kind of the same thing because they're like trying to create a new world from mm -hmm. a world that they were beat down from this and, and and it's just that same dynamic of like what is what what is reality and and people are constantly manipulating it and and trying to create their own thing like using a little bit of this and, and people use god you know a lot of kings use god oh, yeah. as as a as a weapon to where they're like oh well, i'm appointed from you know what i mean and, and when you say the uh, Aryan, like i was just wondering curious if what does that have to do with like the Aryan Brotherhood? Like, does that no, no, it like, doesn't does actually. Those are, those are, it's a coincidence, like... but um, really brief, really briefly though, the okay. whole Aryan thing is very it's 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 a trip okay. as well. <laughs> and I have a documentary on my channel um, about ancient Tibet. Check it out. It got go into it a little bit. The whole Aryan thing is just it's just wild too because where that comes from, it comes from uh, Tibet. So. The Nazis actually sent expeditions out to Tibet, and we have pictures of it because they were looking for remnants of the Aryan race or theirs. So they believed that their ancestors belonged to um, this legendary race of people that that lived in Shambhala. 
and all of that. But all of that comes from this old Tibetan. Yeah, but that whole Aryan thing actually comes from an ancient Tibetan legend. So Hollow like, Earth, it, right? I don't know. It's just it's kind of weird that like the Nazis picked that up for whatever reason. Mm. That is wild. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Well, actually, and I know they were always seeking Hollow Earth too. So I don't know if there's a correlation between that. I as forgot well. to mention. Yeah, so the whole Aryan thing. So Aryan. Cold, that's why I was wondering that, that why, comes like, from if, if the uh, any, the, like, the Vedas. The, the Hindu uh, religious scripts, area, it, the root, the root word is area, which means noble or royal. So there's this whole like thing, dude, it's a huge mm. debate, like, uh, in, in, um, Indian scholarship against Western scholarship about the Aryan invasion. If, when you have time, look into the Aryan invasion theory, it's a huge debate in the, in the Indian scholarship. And, but based off of that theory is where the Westerners, the, like the, the Germanic oh, yeah. people and some of the, Others, like even some of the, uh, uh, the whatever, but mostly the Germanic people use that Aryan invasion theory to kind of say that their ancestors are older than some of the, uh, the Indians and stuff like that. It's a whole crazy thing. But the Aryan that comes from the Vedas, that word, that concept comes from the Vedas, uh, the hollow earth thing comes from, uh, the Tibetan legends. So they kind of fuse those things together. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, history is so crazy, man. It's just <laughs> wild, like how, and it's and it's hard to piece together, you know, because you have to keep digging and digging, and a lot of stuff you yeah, can't even find. Seriously. Like I've seen you post plenty of it's times, tough, like how man. hard it's it tough. is to find a certain book. It or, really is. It might yeah, be the but only it's fun, book man. Left. I love doing like, it. You know, I, I I get like a high <laughs> off of it. You know what I mean? It's like I'm passionate about it, and you get hyped. It's like you know hip hop, right? It's like when you find like a like a sample, you know, like if when you, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same thing, dude. It's the same yep. thing. Like, damn, what? Especially the one that nobody else found. Like, and you're like, found it. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it's nice, too, because I think um, uh, people are appreciative of what you're doing because it's nice to have a fresher breath, uh, a breath of fresh air of someone different that could kind of like break it down for people. Even though you're giving us knowledge, you're, you're able to make it easier for people like me that don't, that don't understand everything to digest. You know what I mean? Like that. I'm like, okay, Oh, I get where he's coming from. And it's smooth. It's running through it easily. And I see a lot of people resonating with it. And, and I think that no one's really doing it as much anymore. Think about it. Like all the people that were kind of doing it, you kind of remind me of like a Jordan Maxwell ish. You know what I mean? Like he's gone. Like all those other people are gone. You're like kind of the last of the Mohicans. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're really breaking down a lot of the, of the knowledge because everybody dabbles in everything, but like you're, you're really digging into the actual hard textbooks, the the things that like all of us could Google, you know what I mean? But Google can only get you so far. You have to actually see the text and how it was written and then see the altered versions and keep digging through and through to find out what this connection really is. Cause that's what's so murky history is so murky. And there's so many people that are trying to claim their, their stake and we're the greatest race or we're the greatest person. We're the oldest people. We're the ones that started this world. We're the, it's this constant like battle of who started everything. And it's like, well, I really personally don't care. Like I'm interested in knowing, I mean, I'm not like, yeah, I did it. Like, I don't care about that shit. Like, I think it's interesting to figure out all these, you know, ancient cultures, but it seems that people use it as a weapon as to be like, oh yeah we started the earth so we should inherit it and, th and that's why i was correlating it to westworld because that's kind of how it gets in there because now the host uh, you know like the the, the humans they're both kind of like well now i created the world so i inherit it or i've surpassed you and we're the superior race or the superior being and, and that seems to be a theme throughout history yeah, I think for me, just looking at religion as a whole, even different religions, you know, somebody's trying to take their stake in like what religion's the best or whatever. I try to just look at the tenets of what it's built on. If something's built on a lot of like power and a lot of, you know, uh, uh, control, which all of religions has been integrated with. But if like the basis of it was built on that, I tend to lean away from that because to me, it's more about love and caring about people and, and understanding people. Um, I think, uh, Something that Sean and I talk about a lot on the show is, you know, having civil discord with people in the sense of you don't have to agree with something everybody says. Honestly, when I go into a conversation with somebody, I just try to learn, you know, it, it, they may say something that 
maybe I don't agree with, but then I go start doing some research. And then three months later, I'm like, ah, man, they were spot on. Like they really said some fire shit that, you know, if I hadn't had that mind frame and able to evolve my mind, I would never have taken on board that. So I think that's very important. And, you know, reading too, Sean, like you said, that's something I've really been on hard the past few years is just getting books, reading books. And Eddie, you do a really good job of doing documentaries for people that aren't really (laughs) into that. So it's kind of like they're reaping the benefits of all your research, but it's a good thing though. You know what I mean? And, but I think reading is important, important though, because I try to get books and read and it's a different feeling when you're reading the book and you have it in your hand and you're able to like soak up the knowledge because then you can make notes then you can highlight things and you can go back and look at it again. Um, That's helped me out a lot anyway, over the years. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Reading has uh, played a huge role in my entire process. And I've always been a reader and a writer. Like in school, I was a terrible kid in school, you know, but reading and writing is something that I always stuck with for some reason. And it's, it's, uh, it's helped me out in the long run. So let me ask you a question. Let's tie Lucifer in with the Sumerians because that's really uh, where it really started going deep down the rabbit hole. I, I want to hear about this for sure. All right. So in the book, right, the the book's titled The Lucifer Mystery Revealed. And um, but I reveal who Lucifer really is in the third chapter. So halfway through the book. Um, So it's because it's not really a huge secret, at least in my mind, in in the truth or community. You know, if you've been in in the community long enough, you can kind of make the dots. But basically, the first half of the book is 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 telling you Lucifer never actually existed in the Bible. You know, as I kind of walked through earlier, mm-hmm. right? it was always it was always a mistranslation that was picked up and then just kind of blown out of proportion. But um, oftentimes in the church and in the occult, Lucifer gets coupled with the serpent in the Garden of Eden, more so in the occult. And um, both the occult and the church are like two forces that really couldn't exist without the other, which is kind of funny. Like the more the, the occult like does their stuff, the more the church like, you know, talks down on it and like, look, look what they're doing. And then the more the church talks down on them, the more they do their stuff. So it's like, they're two like magnetic forces that just keep making these archetypes flourish. But in the occult, the occult loves the Lucifer concept. Um, but I always say both the occult and the church are playing the same game. They're just characters, different characters in that board game. They're using the same characters. You know, it's almost like like Marvel or whatever. They're using it's the same hmm. universe that they're coming from. It's playing so, with Thanos. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same board game, just different characters. It's heroes and villains. You know what I mean? It's a, one's a hero and one's supposed to play the villain. And they have to, without each other, they can't exist. Yeah. So in the occult, Lucifer is always referred back to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And when we look at that archetype and that character, then we can really start to pull out a a true Lucifer, a person who actually existed in the minds of our ancestors. And so the serpent. So first of all, the Old Testament specifically, a lot of it is based on the old world mythologies, the Canaanite mythologies, the Sumerian mythologies. And that's just facts now. And it, it doesn't mean that the Bible is not true. It actually means it's more so true because it's it's got deeper roots. It's got deeper history. And so when we look at it through that lens, we can kind of see who some of the characters that were simplified actually were. For example, in the flood story in the Bible, it's now well known that that flood story is a summarization of the Sumerian version where there isn't one God, but two gods and those two gods who are deciding whether or not to flood the earth are two brother gods that belong to, to the Sumerian pantheon known as Enki and Enlil. And Enlil is always remembered by scholars and Assyriologists and the Sumerians as this more vindictive militant god. And Enki is always remembered by the Assyriologists, the scholars and the Sumerians as this more sympathetic, clever god. And... Um, so and he's he's always remembered as being the, the god of wisdom, uh, the god of knowledge, and he's represented as a snake oftentimes throughout the old world. So it's obvious now looking at the Bible through that lens who the serpent in the Garden of Eden was. The serpent was Enki. You know, he was sympathetic towards the new humans and he was trying to you know kick us with some games, some knowledge and, and wake us up a little bit to to the potentiality of what we were. 
And uh, the other gods never liked that. They never liked that he was always doing that to us, you know. And so, um, so Lucifer, when coupled with the serpent in the Garden of Eden, would be Enki. Interesting. You know, so it really the the he turned into a he's actually the more hero not heroish but like the one that would be more relatable to us and caring more about our particular life. And he's kind of turned into the villain. And it's kind of crazy when you say that, because especially in the truth world, you know, like he's like, Hey, this is, these fruits do this. This is what this world is. And the other side is like, Oh, don't do that. You just obey what I say. You know, like, this is how we do it. You can't do that. And, and it's kind of, obviously I'm like really like breaking it down, like in as simplest terms I can, but that's how I'm kind of like, you kind of just gave me a little epiphany off that. Cause I'm like, so yeah, you could turn anybody into a villain, uh, over time. Yeah, man. Yeah. I just, uh, had a conversation on uh TikTok live with, with a homie who goes by become set apart. Um, you guys should check him out. He, he's, uh, he calls himself, um, a Sarim. He's one of those dudes that kind of like fashion himself after the old Testament and like really believe okay. in calling God Yeshua and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he said something that really like kind of like stuck with me. And he said, the Bible is, he said, you don't have to follow the Bible. You don't have to. Like people are always talking about the Bible is oppressive. Religion is oppressive. God is oppressive. First of all, you don't have to follow it. It's not oppressing you. The Bible is, is a, as a manual on how to be an eternal being. And unfortunately, for those who don't want to be eternal beings or who want to live life on on the worldly terms, in order to be an eternal being, you need to cleanse and purge yourself to perfection. Mm, That makes a lot of sense, though. I can I can attest to that. And I think, you know, when I came back around to the Bible, I really looked at it completely different. My whole thing's about a relationship with God anyway. It's not about church. It's not about a whole construct, because I think that's when you start getting in a lot of trouble. And you look throughout history where a lot of control was implemented with that kind of stuff. Now, I will say this, Sean, because I know you were talking about Lucifer and and, and you were, too. And we were talking about uh, NK. And my only pushback is being from my uh, side of things is that him being as crafty as he is, it would seem like he could make himself seem more sympathetic to humankind in a deceptive way to where we're, you know, buying into the fact that, oh, poor, you know, snake, poor Lucifer, he was oppressed. You could look at it from that angle, too. I think there's like two sides of it, but I find both sides very interesting and and very, uh, you know, they're roads that I keep going down. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, man. And you're right. Uh, there's actually a, a text that I came across is but I'm, I'm working. I'm getting ready to release my second book which is going to be in September, which dives more deeper into the Anunnaki and, and comparative theology. And so I had, I had to take a look at all of this in a more mm. critical aspect, because when I first got into this whole Anunnaki thing back in high school, I got into it through Zechariah Sitchin, right? The dude who, who gave us the Anunnaki theory and all that back in the seventies. And, um, I was a fanboy for many years, just, just, took it all as fact, you know, but then over the years, I would kind of point little nuanced things. I was like, I don't know, man, it's kind of stretching it. But anyway, so, so with this book, I I went back and critically analyzed all the things that he had said about the Sumerians and the Anunnaki and how it's the basis for the Bible. But there is a text, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's, it's the Adapa. It's one of the Adapa texts and Adapa was one of the early human prototypes. He's, he's kind of looked at as the Sumerian Adam. Um, but, but there is a text where Enki does mm-hmm. uh, connivingly trick Adapa into denying himself eternal life. It's a strange, it's a strange text. And um, so mm. Enki, there are, there are texts that show Enki as being conniving too. So you're, you're right there. <laughs> I'm going to hit you up later. You got to, you got to get me access sure. to, to read that. I want to, I want to read that. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely DM you and you can send that to me. But really like, um, it's just a, a, a trip, man, to like, think who is like, right. Who's like, that's why I like what we're talking. Like to me, like, uh, I was against the Bible for a while, a while. I was even like was hating God. I was like, man, I don't even like it. And not that. And I never did not believe in God. I just, just hated him for a while. And then like, uh, <laughs> I kind of like 
And I would never, and then even when I got a better relationship with God, I didn't even want to read the Bible until I was in jail. Cause obviously I had nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> and the one book that really, for me resonated with me is Job. Right. Cause I, I kind of understood it. Cause it was like the most I could relate to my life where you're like, dang, this is getting taken away. This is getting taken away. This is, are you still going to stand with it? And, and that's when I always took like the Bible as like a tool, like, and I think that's, what people kind of use it differently. It's not only a tool and then what me and Joel kind of talk about a lot too, and not just us, but many others is like, I think people underestimate the uh, uh, metaphysical of the Bible, right? Like they think everything is either literal or it's like fable, like which it is. But I think like they don't see the paranormal that's in the Bible that there is access that maybe we have, that there's things that we're not getting to decode and the books that are missing from it that could be puzzles to our brain to unlock things that we, you know, experiences in this world that we're not even, you know, we don't even know at this moment, but that can unlock those. And I think that is something that is why it's pushed with like Lucifer, in my opinion, why I like the Lucifer and like, Hey, the good and the bad, like you were saying with the church, like, you know, the church and the occult is constantly, they, they it's like wrestling. You know what I mean? You got to have the bad, good guy and the bad guy you can't have uh you have to have andre the giant and, and hulk hogan it doesn't work with just with two heroes you have to have the hero and the villain and they you know the villains say oh he's winning he's he's killing everybody oh but the hero comes in and, and he <laughs> saves everybody and everybody you know what i mean he fucking gives you the little ear roll and everybody's like oh fucking hulkamania motherfucker like and and, and i think that that's what happens and i mean you could even see it with politics right the democrats and the republicans need each other because somebody needs to be the villain right now trump's the hero in some people's eyes he's the villain but they've done it where they're able to double code it now where, where some people see you as a villain and some see you as a hero. Same thing with the church and the occult. Some people see the occult as the hero in the righteous way of what mankind should be going towards and some see it as the villain and vice versa with religion and church. So I think the more we have discussions and trying to really figure it out because none of us are actually acting like, Oh man, I got all the answers because we're all trying to figure it out and we want to see where this leads us instead of like, Oh, we got to determine we're done. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, close case, man. Like, you know what I mean? Well, let's get out of here. And that's how we keep building. And I think that's the wonderful thing about uh, uh, seeing so many people, People like you, well, mainly that me, I follow you mainly to see most of the stuff, but <laughs> that read these old texts, like, so I can kind of get an understanding of like, what were they talking about? How did people get onto this idea at all? Like, it, where do these seeds come from? And, and it's very interesting for me to like, kind of see all that. And now, cause I'm on my own little spiritual journey, I'm sure which all of us are. And like me personally, like, I know some people don't like the term spirituality. I just say that because it's something I don't know how else to describe because I don't, I believe in God. I'm not necessarily not saying I don't believe in Jesus or I don't, I, I just don't know. I think that's too murky for me. I just know that there's a creator and that I'm on a journey to figure out where he wants me to go and what he wants me to help uh, reveal for others. It's a good place to be. Um, I think uh, you said it perfectly though, Sean, I don't know what kind of piggyback on what you said a little bit when it comes to the church and how the church has dumbed down the supernatural and dumbed down those aspects. You know why? Because they infiltrated the church. They don't want us to have that connection with God. They don't want us to know that there's this other surreal world uh, that's metaphysical. They, If you read the Bible, it's a pretty fantastical book about a lot of crazy things going on. I mean, even in the New Testament, I mean, Jesus was like kicking it with Moses and Elijah on the mountain and they in the disciples saw them literally just walking with him. And these are guys that aren't around anymore. I mean, you know, we know Elijah went directly to heaven, you know, didn't die, but we're talking about two guys that literally just kind of walked around with Jesus. We're talking about, you know, super metaphysical stuff going on. And I think that that's always taken away out of the aspect because what's easier, you know, to dumb us down, to, to break our connections off with God and break our connections off with the spiritual world than acting like it really doesn't exist. Oh, these are just all fables and parables. Yeah. There's a lot of like parables and, and a lot of things in the Bible that are there to, you know, give us, you know, good guidelines, but there's some stuff in there too, where I'm like, Hey, are you reading this right now? Like they're, this is, they're not talking about, this isn't a fable that they're, they're speaking of it mm -hmm. as, and there are other texts too, outside of the Bible, plenty where they talk about that. You look at throughout all cultures, there is plenty of, 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 of examples of, 
metaphysical things going on. And if you look at the correlation between all cultures, how they all have similar stories, then you kind of start getting into that aspect of like, there's something to this here. There's something to this metaphysical world. There's something to this spiritual world. And uh, but it goes back to control. They want to keep us in our little matrixes where we don't connect with that. Yeah, man. You know, this is power. probably going to come out later than obviously tomorrow. But on tomorrow, I'm dropping a, a small documentary on a Spanish uh, group of mystics known as the Alumbrados, uh, the, the Enlightened. And they're a fascinating small group of people that just like they're a little blip in the early 16th century. And what made them fascinating is that they actually broke away from the church and and decided that they could read the Bible on them on their own and that they would meditate. They would meditate in prayer and they, they didn't need the church and stuff like that. And the church didn't like that. So eventually there, were, there was a whole inquisition just to chase these people down and then uh, jail them and then kill them. Damn. See, that's a uh, that now uh, one question I have for you, Eddie. That's I've been wondering for a while. Like, so do you get like um, when you go on like because you know you've been on some bigger shows and stuff. Do you get like kind of like people that get pissed off at you? Like you know like hardcore like religious people or do more people kind of like like resonate? Like you resonate with me, but I could see like just having conversations with hardcore like you know church people that kind of like get offended by like if you're different of a difference of opinion you know uh, or, i've never uh, had somebody like it. directly hit me up uh, with that energy uh I, I to be honest i try to stay away from comments and stuff like that you know um some i mean on my own channel i'll check them out you know so i can you know big up the people who are supporting and, and give them feedback or whatever and conversate and engage but like on the other shows that i do yeah sometimes i'll go through the comment section just to kind of just see what you know see what's popping see what people think and I mean, a lot of it's just love, man. A lot of it's support, even for the people who like are, are heavily on the religious side, you know, even like, so, um, to answer your question, yeah, nobody's like come like hit me up directly with that type of energy or that's really receptive to it. And, um, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. But I have seen some sly things though. I have seen some sly things. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's also a, a testament to your character. Like I think, how you carry yourself uh, 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 goes a long way, too. Yeah, I think anytime you uh, challenge uh, the Bible, you're going to get a lot of that pushback. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> no, yeah. The funny thing is, like, a lot of times, actually, when I when I do surf through the comments, um, a lot of the, the negative ones, which I don't even see them as negative. Honestly, I, I think they're funny. I think the, the negative ones are funny in my mind because people don't really know me. It's like they, they really don't know me. And, and I'm I'm a goofball, dude. Like. <laughs> at heart you know like I, i'm a very serious scholar and i do i take my work serious but like outside of all this you guys see me on instagram i like to fuck around make jokes and stuff but um actually a lot of the negative comments come from people on the occult side who will be like but yeah they'll just say like just slice things like he doesn't know anything like Lucifer. Lucifer is the most high or like, you know, they're just like, they just, they get crushed. You know, they, they get crushed that I'm, that I'm crushing their hero or they get, you know, like that I'm breaking down the occult to such a scrutiny, you know, like they get upset. They get upset because I'm like, bro, it's, it's just archetypes. Hey, Eddie, this is like I did a uh, video on uh, Enoch uh, a few days back and I was explaining how that, the Enoch that wrote the book of Enoch was not the Enoch that they thought that it was. And it was actually the son of Cain. And if you do like Freemason research and you understand like um, the Anderson legend and the Oliver legend and where that actually came from, they, the Freemasons actually came and tried to wipe that out, that they put that out there when they did. But it, it actually ties into the pillars. And a lot of people think that the pillars are, you know, Boaz and, and, and Yakin, but it's not though. They're actually, um, um, the sons uh, of uh, Lamech. So when they broke all of that down, um, you know, it ties back to the son of Cain, which is Enoch. So it was kind of that sleight of hand that the Freemasons did um, that even the Brotherhood of the Snake did back in the day to slide in this whole other thing and make it and make it seem like the book of Enoch was supposed to be because it was so close to the Bible, except of few major things. If you check it out. So, man, I posted that you talk about the church crowd getting super angry like that's that's enoch what are you talking about Enoch goes like you didn't even 
you just saw this minute 30 second video and you just got angry instead of being like, man, that's interesting. I, I might want to go look into that and see maybe if there's some truth or validity to it. Um, cause I've done a lot of research on it. So, I mean, for me, you know, and again, if I'm wrong, come prove me wrong. I, I don't have a problem with that either. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw that, man. That That is something I've come across before too. The whole two Enoch thing. It's pretty fascinating. The whole line of Cain is weird too. It's just like you just, the Bible just stops mentioning it after a while. It's like, well, where did they go? Right. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. And it ties into, you know, when you get down to like the sixth generations, uh, when they start uh, interbreeding with fallen angels and the Nephilim are created and, you know, all that kind of, you know, obviously leads up into the uh, deluge. So you got all that going on, um, which is real interesting. But the Cain thing was just mind blowing to me. And, and the Enoch, the two Enoch thing was really interesting. Um, but no, I, I, I can, speak from experience. I know when you challenge people's like belief systems, they can get super angry. Sometimes I never get angry though. If somebody says something that I don't think or, or whatever, like I'm going to go look into it and be like, wow, that I didn't even think about that. That's, that's a whole different way of looking at well, things. I think it has to do with uh, how society is structured mm -hmm. now though, too. Like, cause if you notice, like um, when you're talking to like, not necessarily like someone's bigger in the industry or, or, or I mean in this truth or world or whatever, but people that are kind of been around more don't really like, there's a few that take it like that. They're just like, they're just assholes. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's assholes everywhere we go, no matter what, but for the most people in the truth or community that have been doing this for a long time, they're going to have an open dialogue with you. It seems to be the ones that are just really just dying for attention and nobody's listening to them and nobody's following them and they get pissed off at these bigger pages or people that are doing it. And, and a lot of times they don't go and look at themselves like, what are they doing wrong? Hey, man, your editing sucks. Um, You're not fucking putting out material that people want to hear that's resonating with people. And instead of looking within themselves, like usual, people go attack other people. And instead of because just like how journalism works now, you know, now, now journalism, they just go, oh, that fucking piece of shit. They go on Twitter instead of saying, hey, you know what? I don't agree with that story he wrote i'm gonna investigate it myself and write my own uh, my own uh thing on it and now instead they it just everybody goes to twitter fucking idiot like that's like the first thing that, that fool's a bitch man <laughs> yeah i mean we we, we got caught a cia agent today really man. <laughs> i'm waiting till i get to that that, yeah. that level of fame dude where people think i know i was like i think we're getting on I, know, I can't wait till somebody calls me yeah, a freemason dude <laughs> 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 well it's funny because uh i get hit all the time because i have uh i have an eye tattooed and an owl tattooed on me and this was during you know times that you know i was a freemason and a lot of these things so you know people see that and the first thing is controlled opposition you know i'm part of the system like like sean said i got called cia today i was like man i'm leveling up man so, <laughs> i was like sean man catch up man i was like next time this year i'll be a uh, full-fledged illuminati <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah it's just uh funny how people like uh come out uh, come at these things but like i said in, when you really talk to like a lot of the people that have been into the truth of the world for a long time that actually do research they don't come at you like that you know what i mean the the other people are just that's their lane there's a couple pages that uh, i won't speak of their name right now but maybe eventually when they say a mine um that they just kind of play into these roles of everything's fake or don't believe that guy instead of saying, hey, let's listen to a little bit of everybody's information because none of us have the answer. But so many people, whether it's in politics or esoteric or if it's the occult or like, you know, go on whatever subject where they like flat earthers. I got to get into them with a lot, too, where they have it absolutely right. Like, I'm like, man, I'll give you 50 percent, bro. Like, I can't say like because I only know so much. Right. My knowledge is limited. But when you go and that's fucking right bro like i said it so it's right yeah dude yeah there, there's beef everywhere there's beef in the truth of community i've already been a part of somewhat um just involved through the crossfires with some of the podcasts that i've been on dude a couple times already and i'm like yo like this has got nothing to do with me like this is your guys's beef you know um it's just i'm a scholar dude i'm just here trying to drop some knowledge you know yeah, that's how I think it's supposed to be. Like, I, I haven't personally got into any really beefs with any, like, it's always like just 
people that want to build. And I'm like, dude, you could just do the same thing I'm doing, man. Like you can do it. What Eddie's doing. You can do what Joel's doing. You could do what I'm doing. It's go put the time in, go do the work. Like you can't go be a star athlete and be like, man, and just sit on your ass all day and fucking eat donuts and be like, man, I should have been in the NFL. No motherfucker. You didn't put in the work. You're, you're, you're getting to these shows. You're getting your shit out there. You're constantly, how much work do you put in? I see all the time. I watch your stories. I'm seeing you're constantly working and like, like I was saying before we got on, we're all working guys. We all have jobs like, you know, so not only do we do our jobs, then we go home and we go and fucking hit the books, uh, do our, uh, you know, put videos together, put podcasts together, all this stuff. And I, I think that once you have that opportunity, because I think we got to do our the, the, the push to get you on Rogan, we get Eddie on Rogan. Really, because what's he going to do, man? Like, he, how is he going to push back against you, man? I think you have way too much knowledge that yeah. Rogan's not going to be able to push back. He's going to be like, <laughs> I'll be uh, hyped, man. I'm bringing everybody <laughs> with me. I'm taking the team with me. <laughs> so, Eddie, let me ask you a question. The people's chant. <laughs> I want to ask Eddie a question because you were talking about you came up in the church. What was that moment for you when you really wanted to start discovering things yourself and you started really expanding out into like esoteric knowledge and really just wanting to understand from an academic standpoint, like what you're getting into now, because I, I think that's very important. I think for people to hear, and I want to hear personally myself. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so my entire life has revolved around this stuff and, and, it's a story I've told frequently, um, but because it's it's just true, and I couldn't put it any other simple way. Like some of my earliest memories have to do with coming across certain pieces of information and knowledge. Um, like for example, one that I tell pretty often is when I was in first grade, I came across a book that mentioned the Knights Templars inadvertently. You know, it was a book about dinosaurs and dragons and knights, but there was a portion in that book that talked about knights looking for the Holy Grail. And so that is like one of the, one of the earliest core memories I have in the first grade is, is that and um, all kinds of other things. And all throughout elementary, I was a rebellious kid. I listened to like classic rock, like Pink Floyd, Hendrix, Bob Marley. So even in elementary, I had an anti-establishment attitude, you know, like I would run around school with like my hands up going tear down the wall, you know, from pink, like from pink Floyd. Like, like I, I was always like that, you know, and I never liked going to church. I was never like a button up, like, Hey, like church, you know, like it, that was never like that. Like I just, I just grew up in the church. So I grew up knowing the Bible, knowing the verses, knowing the institution. I never liked the institution. I was always bummed, bummed about a bummed out about going. But, uh, so and I say all that to say that, like, so ever since I was a little kid, I was always independently thinking. And um, the first time that I realized that, that there was something more to the Bible was probably right around like, well, I, I, I got to chalk it up to hip hop first. So, so hip hop actually taught me that first, you know, through certain artists like Jedi Mind Tricks and Mortal Technique and stuff like that. And, and I found, I discovered them in like sixth grade, fifth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. So again, like early, early on in my life, I was like, I didn't know what they were saying, but I just, I just, I just knew it was deep and it, there was truth to it. And then when I came across, I would probably say it was the work of Zechariah Sitchin that really set it all off for me. And I found him in about ninth grade. When I came across his books in the ninth grade, he, I mean, he broke, he breaks it down to such great detail. And he, he tells you basically through his, his earth chronicle series that the Bible is a summarized version about the Anunnaki, these beings that came down here and genetically engineered homo sapiens. And he just blows your mind with all this stuff, whether it's true or not. That was the first time where I was like, wait, what? Like, so all this these feelings and these intuitions I had about the Bible and the government being sneaky and doing weird stuff is real. You know, it was, <laughs> he was the dude that really like enlightened that, that intuition. And, and, and then from then on, it just, it just took off. Yeah. See, that's like uh good that to hear that. Cause we were, 
I've been talking a lot about that. We were actually talking about that earlier, me and Joel, like what gets people into it. And a lot of us cop out like me. I say all the time, like, oh, 9-11. But really, if you think about it, when you really go deep, you it, there's this whole trail that you can really trace down. Now, there might be this huge incident that you remember, like 9-11, something that we could all remember and that we knew the cover-ups and something we could detail. But there's so many other aspects that when we're younger, if you really start to think about your childhood of what made you different how you were thinking like i like how you're saying an independent thinker and i think that's how i think most of us were like i think having that open-mindedness and uh especially when you question things i remember me a lot like i would question well why do we have to do that why did why does it have to be this way why and and you know a lot of people didn't like that they were like man just do it like you know what i mean and i'm like but why like it don't make sense to me like even like stupid things like i would be like well why can't i wear a hat in church they'd be like you can't i'd be like well why can't that old lady wear a hat in church church i can't wear a hat in church but the old lady could wear a hat in church like what's the fucking difference like, just fucking don't wear a hat and i'm like i'm gonna fucking wear my hat like you know what I mean? like, and it would just be little things like that and i think that we complicate things instead of just seeing it as you know being an independent open-minded thinker and that's what the world needs because we don't need conformity we don't need a complete uh hive mind we need everybody kind of just figuring it out and taking pieces and you know we could take pieces from each other but not to just be like oh i'm all in on this i'm all in on that that's i think the best way to go forward yeah i think that's a dangerous place to be when you're just all in with something i I think that you know as human beings uh we should always you know try to grow as much as possible um i tell sean all the time hey i love it when i'm proved wrong that means i learned something new today like you know I, i don't i don't look at it as a bad thing um and i think too that you know I want to build something that makes people want to come together, not tear people apart. Um, I used to, I used to think that way. I used to want to just step on people's necks and and get to the top and, and do whatever I could to get there. Um, That was a very alluring thing for me. Money and power can be, but you know, when, as I walked through life and I realized really where I wanted to be at, did I want to end up in a place of just emptiness maybe having a lot of money and power, but just empty? Or did I want to build something that had meaning? And and when I leave um, this earth, you know, I leave my family, my, my, my kids, you know, other people that I built stuff with that energy too. It's all about energy. Plus you got to think about it like on the opposite end, right? If you're all in, and you kind of are proven wrong and you don't want to look like a fool, you're going to do whatever it takes to make yourself look right. You're going to, you know, kill people. You're going to do false flags. You're going to put things in, in in bad positions because you're like, well, I can't be wrong because I've, this is my whole life. My whole life was rooted into this one thought. So I think that's the other danger. And that's why I think you get a lot with the occult and stuff and why, like, you know, when we go back to what we're talking in the beginning about the whole Lucifer thing is that's why I think those things, because people are so embedded of like no jesus was god and 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 christ and he created christ later why because it was beneficial for them because it's beneficial for them to be like oh now it's okay for me to rule on this earth because you know it's not like and i think that's what it all boils down to because they can't be they're so rooted in these ideas that they can't be wrong and they'll make sure that they're right anyway by changing words taking books we need to get some shirts made that just say saint lucifer on a man and really fuck with people man like big time <laughs> that would be dope. I know. Fireman, people would be so messed up on both sides of the spectrum, but it would create conversation and it would make people dig into who this guy is. And he seems like a pretty dope motherfucker, man. Like, from all indications, he seemed like he would be definitely hanging out with us right now and talking about anti the system and what they're, you know, trying to brainwash us to think. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. St. Lucifer, man. (laughs) He was a G. Yes, he was, for sure. Well, Eddie, I appreciate you jumping on, man. Before we get off here, you got to let everybody know where they can find everything. You know, Uh, we'll also have the links to everything, but let everybody know where they can find you on all the socials and everything. Absolutely. Uh, You can find quickest quickest way to find me is Instagram, Esoteric Eddie. Uh, All my, uh, you know, larger content documentaries are on YouTube, Esoteric Eddie TV. And I, I'm on other other platforms that I'm not too worried about those. But if you find me on them, cool. Uh, I also have a, a merch site, 
esoterichady.com. Uh, it's just a little fun hobby. Sometimes I drop like different shirt ideas or t-shirts or I mean hats and stuff like that on there. So that's pretty much it. Dropping a new book in September. Look out for that. It's going to be called the Anunnaki Theorem. And I'm going to have, like I said, all your stuff uh, in the show notes as well as I'm going to post some of your videos. I'm going to take a couple of clips and put them on Instagram, but I'm also going to put the full videos on Telegram. That's usually what I do is get a little clip because, you you know, you can't put it all on Instagram. So I'll put a little clip and then, you know, go over to the Telegram, go to Eddie's page because I'm telling you it'll really uh, get you uh, on the right track of blowing your mind a little bit and, and yes. t- i will say i read a lot of the comments on your videos a lot of people were digging and it was nice to see a lot of like-minded people that were really appreciative of the knowledge you were dropping you know hey man i love them man shout out to all the supporters all the mystics out there and then don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, leave a five-star review for uh, Kill the Mockingbirds, you know? Why the fuck not? I mean, it takes no effort whatsoever. You just go click, you know what I'm saying? Just put it like, yeah, like you don't even have to do a crazy comment. You'd be like, that's what's up, or put a fucking emoji, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Make it easy. And you can find all the music at Sean Chris, Joel Thomas, Quan Duke, Van Tesla Music on all streaming platforms. Kill the Mockingbirds on all streaming platforms. Uh, Van Tesla Music, Instagram, as well as YouTube and then there's Operation Kill the Mockingbirds on Instagram as well as Kill the Mockingbirds on Telegram yo real quick I'm gonna give a little shout out to Jen Saki I've just figured out a way I'm gonna get to her she's not answering my calls and she hasn't been answering my text but I'm gonna astral project to her in that way and I think in that way she will know that it's on and popping well, you know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Are we out? Brat, brat, brat. Flip.